Hot round. Red seven. Red seven. Red seven. Don. What? Red seven. I don't know what red seven means. Hot round. I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob. This is it. The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is going to work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the oh, ball? Oh, get you the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. You're listening to another exciting edition of Alive in Personnel. Nick Roush and Adam Luckett talking Kentucky football and SEC football just everywhere as the Cats are back on the practice field, Luckett. They're back. Uh, yeah. I mean, everybody's back now. Yeah. Uh, it's gone quiet by the commissioners here lately. We haven't really heard. Heard Sankey say anything about two? I believe two weeks ago is when yeah he said in July, and now we're on, we're on, we're going, we're on the twenty eighth, going on the 29th here shortly. He did on Tuesday night. He did that little media tour afterwards where he was, you know, going on Feinbaum and uh, Marty yeah. McGee. Yeah, he did Clay Trav. He he did like a a bunch of different interviews. Um, and I think as of the farther – oh, and he did that real sports thing too. Um, but as the farther he's gone along, he's still kind of in the like, oh, we're just buying time. And I, I think a big reason why is they were waiting to see what happened with baseball. And Right. Well, uh, the Marlins, they're, they're trying to screw it up for everybody else. Freaking Florida at it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think like that was at least another case where like for an hour, everything looks horrible, but then you kind of just like take a deep breath and look around and you're like, you know what? Um, th- this is something you can kind of maneuver around. Obviously it's not good. Somebody was being irresponsible, but um, I, I, that's why commissioners are kind of taking their time because they want to see how baseball handles this operating outside of a bubble. And then you, here from the Big 12, they're moving to week zero, some week zero games. Oklahoma moved their game up. No, no, no. Oklahoma didn't move their game up. Bobby Petrino moved his game oh, up. Oh, that's all right. It. Yeah, is that right? <laughs> Which, how excited are you to see Screaming Bobby on the sidelines to open up college football season? I'll, I'll take what I can get at this point. <laughs> uh, but yeah. it seems like the Big 12 and ACC are kind of waiting to see what the SEC does because I think they're still holding out hope that they can maybe play all 12. And if the mm-hmm. SEC, if they're take a step forward and say that's our plan too, then they're going to come out and I think do that. Yeah, because the the most recent thing I heard, I know whenever uh, the SEC was talking about nine games plus a non-conference, so it would be ten total. Mm-hmm. Whereas Big Twelve today, I saw where it was basically going to be an eleven-game schedule. Like they weren't really right. changing much at all, except maybe just dumping. I mean, hell, if they're playing Missouri State, Oklahoma is, then they're not even dumping their FCS team. So, well, uh, if they're playing, they're playing Missouri State. They're planning on playing all twelve. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Because they get Tennessee in the non-con, and then plus their nine-game schedule. That's eleven of the games right there. And then yeah. it's whoever is their other random non-conference team. 
they did at least I, i'm sure it was more of a formality you make a good point there it was more formality i just want to see bobby vitrino like angry on the sidelines but he, i mean like how angry can bobby vitrino get well okay don't answer that question we we know it's <laughs> you remember what happened last time we saw nick vitrino Ooh, two snaps over the quarterback's head <laughs> to start the game. Yeah. Almost had a four-nothing game. Which never in my life. Yeah, I mean, if we look back on that UT Martin game, that four-nothing, that would have been screenshot that, freeze it in time, and put it in the college football hall. Another that ain't happen again. Weather game. Just awful. <laughs> well, um, I did think it was funny though that mother nature did the same thing for baseball like baseball finally comes back and everybody's excited and then yankees get a rain delay yeah oh man it was a torrential downpour too um but i know you're a red legs fan i've become Bro. like dude I, I was told many good things about the reds this year and so it's like you know what it's only 60 i can keep up especially if they're going to the playoffs this will be fun and jesus christ they have been horrific and, and only horrific in some instances, but like, look, at, I don't know anything about baseball. Like I, like, I know the basics, but like strategy and all that, like the kind of stuff right. that we talk about football in here, it, it's, it's over my head. But when David Bell takes out pitchers on back-to-back days that have just struck out three guys in a row, like, what do you – they're good. Keep them in. Yeah, I mean, in baseball right now, a lot of the analytics – analytics push is to you know save your guys arms so you can have them for a long time um use your use your bullpen heavily the problem is the reds their bullpen sucks well yeah they spend a lot of money on fixing their lineup which hasn't paid off yet um they're they're struggling to score runs here lately and then uh they loaded up on starting pitching as well so they kind of left that bullpen untouched and that's what's getting rocked here lately but really the story that they looked great that first day, and then they lost two starters in Moustakis and Senzel, mm-hmm. who they don't really like. They think they might have COVID. They think they might. They, they're not really well, saying. Here's the the thing that I don't understand because, like, I have a feeling that they probably have mild symptoms like it. And right. any other day, just you would just like suck it up and go to work. Mm-hmm. The part that I don't get, so I get like. I understand that there is a certain quote unquote like incubation period. So like you could be in contact with somebody with COVID and not get it for, you know, a few days. Mm-hmm. At a certain time, if you keep testing negative, you keep testing negative. Right. So I don't know. I think know. the problem They're- was that uh, a guy that played first day, he did test positive for it. And then those guys started showing symptoms. So I think they're just gotcha. playing it safe. But which is really hurt because since Mustakas went out of the lineup, the second baseman are like 0 for 20. <laughs> Not good. He had a dinger in that first game, too. Yeah, yeah. Pretty uh, A big bomb. Um, he had a big homer, and I think he had a double, too. So Yeah. Um, a but, rous- uh, rousing start that we haven't seen him since, though, in typical it, Reds fashion. It's, it's also just, like, the thing that I enjoy a lot about this bucket is just the getting – like, I'm so happy to be mad about sports. It's It's so refreshing. Like – Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, went, I went and bought the MLB package. Oh, I, no. I have these three TVs in my basement. I'm like, I need – and I'm working from home. So, I'm like, I got to have, you know – Pull up the screens, damn on. it. Yeah, I have to have something on here. So, I was like, hell with it. I'm just going to buy it. So, I've, I've been having baseball running nonstop since last weekend in this basement, which 
it's nice to have something on there. I will say that instead of just black screens just sitting in an empty basement. I actually got to go to a game. Well, I got to watch a sporting event in person. Uh, I went that? to I went to the Louisville City soccer game, and I know most football fans don't care about the other football. But the part that was most intriguing of it all, not just me going ooh and ah because it's a brand-new stadium and getting pumped that they actually won a game. Um, it's kind of nice in Louisville. They got all their da- games on WBKI. I just pop it on, and I don't have to pay too much attention. But, um, mm-hmm. but from a just purely – fan of sports perspective it was really awesome just to just feel the buzz of like a game day and it was also really awesome in that they only have 30 percent capacity right now to be able to abide by social distancing Mm -hmm. so like i showed up early because like earlier than normal thinking okay you know i want to have time to build out there's probably gonna be traffic well like there's not traffic you know like there's no lines for the bathroom so like there's actually some really nice aspects to this. And the, the reason why I say this is because this is what you're going to be dealing with if we have fans and at, at stadiums in the fall. Now, uh, of course, that's a pipe dream for many, but the big takeaway I got looking, I mean, all of the, uh, you know, like I, I never really felt weirded out except for there was a few times where people got kind of congested when they, Kind of like how at Kroger Field, when players are coming to and from, they, they shut off the gates for a little while. Right. They do that at their stadium. So it got congested a little bit, and I was a little weirded out. But for the most part, everybody's wearing masks, and everybody has spots that are far away. They've got, like, spots on the ground where you line up. And so, like, I felt fine the whole entire time. But there was, like, it was fun to watch the Louisville City FC mask police in full force. because And that's the only way you can describe them. They're technically, quote-unquote, uh, venue shield. And they've got half their folks walking around wiping stuff down. But the other half, and all of the blue coats, all of the ushers, uh, you know, their version of the blue coats, they're vigilantly watching for people in masks. And not just, like, do you have it on? It's... Oh, you're you're drinking your beer. Well, you're not drinking your beer right now. Put your mask back on. So, like, they they would come over to you, Bucket, if you had your beer in your hand, and he would like go to point, and you would either have to take a drink or put a mask on. So it was a fun little cat and mouse game of like, oh, oh, am I just all right? Damn it, I'm just going to slug this, another one back. You know why not? <laughs> when you were a student at UK, Mr. Rouse, this is what this reminds me of. Do you remember the lady in the library? The security lady that took oh, her job way too seriously. God, it was awful. Yeah. That's what that reminded me of. She was just going around yelling <laughs> at people to be quiet or what or whatnot. No one's even talking. Hey, even talk. no, no, di- no tobacco. No yeah, dipping no, in the yeah, no, Yes. And that everybody's just got big old yeah. hogs in, Adderalled yeah. out, like just spitting away. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like it really, it, it had like a time, like there was one time where I was like, I mean, I just went to like finish sending a text message and the guy was already on me. I'm like, dude, you're good. Like I, I was impressed. And you know what? If that's what it takes, like, dude, sure. Like if that's what it takes for me to be able to watch a football game this fall, it is not too big of an ask. How was the facility overall? Oh, it's it's incredible. And what makes it great, Lucky, is they've got that open end zone and it's one giant bar. And there's also a bunch of bars on the side. So like 
it's the idea. I realize it's great for families because you can go and have a few beers, but there's enough stuff. Like your kids can either have fun watching the game, or I'm sure in a normal time they'll have blow ups and all that kind of other stuff. But like, right. it was it was really accommodating for like hanging out and like leaning up against uh, like in that end zone. It's all like kind of bar countertops for you to put your drink on and kind of lean next to uh, a lot of different table areas and. When you're dealing with a, a team like that, that's not let's cram as many people in here as possible. It's nice to kind of have those open spaces. It kind of reminds me of like the paddock at like uh, a race course. You know, you got some area to kind of mingle, and you don't have to be in your seat and paying full attention the whole time. So, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I just I hope people are prepared that if you are going to be at one of these games, I think a your only shot is to be a season ticket holder. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think they're going to let single game uh, tickets be sold. Big part of that too, like it is just how they rearrange where they put people. Like, it's not like a very, like it's, I'm sure there's a method to their madness, but it's not like this perfect puzzle of how to keep people away. Mm -hmm. So their idea, okay, if these season tickets, if there's four in a group, we'll just keep that group right here and they, they won't have to deal with any other part of the stadium if they don't want to. So I would say, A, make sure you got uh, season tickets. B, be ready to wear a mask because if they actually – most of the time when the guys would, like, say something to you and you did it, like, nothing happened. But they will give you a formal warning, and after that, you're kicked out. And I think they've kicked people out of every game so far this year. I would imagine. So, uh, you know, people get a little, a little too saucy. But all in all, I think that was important to share. Are you worried about Derby at all? Yes and no. Um, no, because there hasn't been one big thing uh, with uh, like the, the like. I, I feel like Louisville City setting a good example, so that's why I'm right. Semi confident for sure. Yeah, but I am worried in that like that they're really going to tighten those numbers up uh, just because of the the recent kind of outbreak stuff and the recent measures they've taken. And what blows me out too, look at about all of the, the recent closures and kind of taking a step back is most of it is I, I even get bars closing, but for the restaurants reducing capacity, it's only because some of those places are bar slash restaurants, you know, mm-hmm. like they can kind of skirt by the rules by saying they're a restaurant. So uh, it, it's, it's a yeah. bummer. I know uh, from my time going to places that I've never felt like places overcrowded that I've been to. But that's yeah. just me going to restaurants. I'm sure there's, you know, a few bad apples breaking the rules, but for the most part. Yeah, I had one where it was there was like a line out the door and it just felt like a lot of yeah. people were gathering there. And it was also a bunch of like uh young twenty something mm-hmm. girls who were just like chatty Cathy's. Right. You know? We went to Roosters on Friday and at about a 20 minute wait, but we got in there and it was really spaced out. Like I thought, I felt like they were being extra cautious how spaced out they had everybody. Well, good. And that's how people should act. And hopefully uh, over the next two weeks, uh, things will look more optimistic and then we can have uh, some football. Um, but, you know, we're just kind of speculating here. What we do know though, is that the KHSAA has approved for high school football to happen this fall. And lucky, I, I do need to put an asterisk on this because practices for all fall sports are set to begin August 24th, which is about a month from today. But they're meeting again on August 20th. Uh, 
the JCPS guy, Jerry Wyman, the athletic director of the entire district, was like, he didn't vote on any matters. He was just like, I'm waiting until we meet again, just because, you know, who knows? He was like stand in kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, just like, uh, well, we we still got to wait and see. And I, I do think there's a lot of the kind of nuance, you know, a, a lot of different things to pick and weed through as far as the specific details. But for the most part, they're still planning for high school football to be played. They're only going to take away one game. Um, instead of a 11 weeks to play 10 games, they're getting nine weeks and they can play a game every single week um, mm-hmm. with a five-round playoff and state championships at Kroger Field. So, what, what, did they say anything about fans? I didn't see anything about attendance at the game. Did you see anything? I, to be quite honest with you, I got about two hours in that meeting. I kept it on a little bit longer after they talked football. But my goodness, so many cooks in the kitchen. It was exhausting. Yeah. I was like, who in their right mind would ever want this like this job? Like this is hell <laughs> on earth. I cannot imagine this being a regular thing. But apparently it is. Uh somebody was tweeting like, like a town hall like, type thing. Well, it there's just so many people because you've got to represent From so many different aspects. District or whatever. Yeah. Um okay. but it I just – I can't even imagine. Uh, but I, I, I did not get anything definitive on attendance. I saw him uh, – Tackett had a quote saying that basketball is kind of watching volleyball, almost how like SEC football is kind of watching baseball and mm-hmm. NFL training camps. Um, and I also saw where they're, they're reducing the players on the field. Or you can't dress more than 60 players. Yeah. Which, which for my alma mater is a big deal. Yeah, and I, I guess maybe mine would probably be close to it now, but that's if they right dress there. freshmen. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say just they, if they dress freshmen, they'd make it. But if not, then they'd probably be under the limit. But now, same X's numbers I know has taken a little bit of a downturn here recently, but not suit anything super big. Uh, they're still going to have a lot of players, and there's, you know, there's sometimes forty to fifty players in a class. So. Mm-hmm. You look, if that's still true, you're looking at some seniors that they're probably going to have to tell that they can't dress. Yeah. Well, which is not how they typically operate over there. Yeah. I mean, but you typically, I mean, I guess I if you've it, got, I think with Wallace, it may have changed though. I think they've maybe kind of cut down a little bit where with Glazer before it was really big about, you know, all juniors and dress mm-hmm. kind of like you pay your dues type thing. Right, right, right. More numbers, the better. They want a lot of numbers because that's their biggest strength kind of thing. Yeah, strength in numbers. I understand. Uh, I, I I think that that ultimately will be something they can work around much easier. But for like Trinity, the, the big rule that's going to kill them is the only out-of-state teams you can play are schools in counties that border mm-hmm. Commonwealth. Uh, this also applies a lot to schools in eastern Kentucky who play teams from Tennessee and West Virginia. Um, and yeah. I know there's uh, – Trinity Western, had it. They were supposed to play a team from Virginia that they can't play. And there's another team on their schedule. I yeah, think I, I pulled it up. up. They've got two teams from Indianapolis. Hell, three. They got Cathedral, Carmel, and Warren Central. So, there's three games gone. They'll still be able to play Moeller because Cincinnati right, um, right there. Um, Life Christian Academy was the Virginia school there. Which I've never heard of. Yeah, you think they would have like some studs or something if you're going to do that, but and in general, I think the minutia of the schedule, like I don't know if so. This delayed start that they've approved for now, 
Um, it's three weeks later. So does that mean they're going to move? Like, are they just going to take out their first three games and schedule them on the back end? I, mm-hmm. I think it's up to individual schools to figure this out, but uh, yeah, they're giving them a month to figure it out. I, I feel like that would at least be the um, the the wheels are turning like it, if you will. And it's a big year just for high school football in the sense of this 2021 class, which will be seniors, but this 2022 class trying to put some junior tape out there, and they've already got a lot of guys that are getting some pretty good offers. And you're looking at potentially eight, nine kids that could end up being four-star, five-star prospect type area. I was going to wait to write it, but I think my hand's kind of being forced into doing it just because, well, hey, there's nothing else going on. But also, it's got to be talked about. At 2022 class, there's a dozen Power yeah. 5 guys now. And you know who's making it happen? Joker Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> He's abandoned come play wide receiver for the Joker, unfortunately. Uh, we'll never forget that. That was quite a gem. But he is recruiting – for Maryland now, and he yep. he offered our guy Gavin Wimsett, but he also offered a kid from LCA, Xavier Brown, who he doesn't even have a twenty four seven profile. Uh, he's going to be he's in that class of twenty twenty two. So that guy is not even a top tenner, and he's getting power five offers. So you're kind of seeing where <laughs> where that class is in comparison to other ones. Um, I mean, it's deep. It, it, it's real deep, Bucket. It's and, really deep. No, Mark's the only story really had, compares, I think, is that – which was Jared Casey, Wondell Robinson, J.J. Weaver. Um, I think it was either 2018 or 2019, I think, where that class was pretty stacked. Um, the kid that yeah. went to Notre Dame, Jacob Lacey. Tanner Bowles. Tanner Bowles, yeah. Yeah, went, yeah. so – but that was only – I mean, I guess it was probably like 11 – or, or so deep of power five kids. Cause I think one or two yeah. of them. Ended up they had there. eight guys that were blue chips that were four-star prospects. And then it went um, down to like, you know, you had Tay Tay Crooms, Sean Kell night golf. I believe that Aiden Robbins was in that class at running back from manual that went to Louisville. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you probably had 12, 13, 14. I mean, it was a pretty strong crop. This one though, that, that I, you're right though. It could have more blue chippers could be a little bit deeper. Um, but hell, now Texas is getting in the state. They offered Dane Key this week, uh, and as Ryan Lemon teased, there'll be more to come. So I'm sure he's just got some I virtual would Zoom so, meetings. For sure. I would think Notre Dame was probably going to be the next one up because he visited there unofficially. I think that one would be. Um, that would make that, sense. It's just me speculating, but uh, Jagger Burton too. With that news, he had been pretty quiet, and he was like, "Well, now that I'm playing, I'll start talking again." and well, again, I just I, I keep feeling good vibes from that in that direction. So certainly feels like UK has the inside track there. Yeah, and it just it just it feels like something good's getting ready to pop. But speaking of pop, as soon as we quit recording the other night, we talked about Adrian Huey in depth, but he did in fact end up popping and committing uh, that night. Uh, I haven't gotten Maxwell Harrison yet, but up to fourteen uh, commitments now in that uh, twenty. 21 recruiting class and uh i guess things are going relatively well they didn't get damon Payne though um i think that was kind of expected speaking of recruiting my guy over here came out with the the mega big board 
at ksrarchitectsportsradio.com. How did it feel to post that bad boy after spending, I would assume, hours on it? Yeah, that was a work in progress all week. Yeah. Um, and you know what? It was such a work in progress that there was one guy who actually cut Kentucky, but I had already written about him. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start going to put a Right, Gilliam? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then another kid came on the radar, too. There was some uh, blue chip, uh, Kansas City. Another Kansas guy, I want to say? A Missouri guy? I don't know. Roland wrote about some defensive line. Yes, it was – Um, I got his name. I'm pulling his name up right. He texts saying it was a fake. Monkel Goodwin, he's yeah. from the – DMV, uh, Brad Watson. Oh, DMV. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, but he released the top six, and it was A&M, Alabama, Clemson, Kentucky, Arizona State, or top five, excuse me. Yeah. So, add another one, and that's what you have to – That I, the last edit I made, like it, and what's funny is now when you see on our website, you can see, like, how many times you've edited it, who was the last one to come in. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I had like 20 of them <laughs> and just going in and adding stuff to it, working on it later. Uh, but one of the additions that I made sure to have is like, this is in no way complete. Like there's obviously going to be a lot more guys out there. So right. just keep that in mind um, as you go through with this. And you mentioned that DMV area. I saw where they, they offered another DMV kit and another Jersey kit. Brad White's really kind of hitting that hard mm -hmm. and i think that okay, the one thing about recruiting i think that we kind of overlook uh, when you get kind of stuck in the the here and now is we focus a lot on well this area is traditionally good and they're a star ranking so they're good right well i think the class kind of looks or the coaches i think they especially when you're this deep into Stoops' tenure, you look at where are your most successful players coming from? Yeah. And in the DMV, have they missed on one? Kobe yeah, Walker? That, that Will Jackson. Yeah, he fought in Josh Allen's class. He was he the out, I think, before he even got early. here. Yeah, yeah. Right. And Kobe Walker and then, had yeah, some. Yeah, you had Kobe Walker. Yeah. But then the rest. But the rest like of. Pretty good hit right there. Boogie. Josh Pascal, uh, Nasir Watkins has been in the rotation, I think, almost from mm -hmm. day one. Uh, right. So you're seeing them invest a little bit more into that DMV area, and Brad White has a few more connections there, I think. Uh, so they're going there, and it, the reason why I said this is because uh, it kind of plays off the article that you shared tonight where uh, we, we talked about it at length last week, but kind of how Kentucky's pulling out of South Florida. And somebody's like, well, why are you going away from South Florida? They have all the best players. Well, they worked out earlier when Chad Scott was recruiting him, but Grant and Henshaw's guys, I mean, uh, yeah. Marvin really, Alexander's Really, Scott was more Central Florida. Like, they were hammering Tampa, Orlando, uh, Derek Beatty, Orlando, Juice Johnson, Blake McClain. JoJo Kemp. JoJo Kemp. He was Deland, yeah. Whereas Grant had distinct ties to the Fort Lauderdale area. Mm-hmm. And so, 2016 or 2018 in his first, I guess, full kind of class where he was there from the beginning, where they first got those guys on campus before their junior year, they went down there and they got nine players from South Florida. Jordan Wright, um, I think, was probably the highest rated one in that in that crop. But they just had yeah. some guys leave. You had like a Sebastian Dulcine left, um, mm -hmm. Chris Whitaker left, and now you've seen 
Davion Hawkins just left. So they just yeah. – and uh, B.J. Alexander. So it was just kind of a lot of um, – I don't think it was as good as they were hoping for. Yeah. And so – No, but like right this yeah, year, get out of there. he's going to be an all-SEC candidate. Uh, right, absolutely. You That's know, a, like, yeah. Like there's 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 plenty of guys like Josh Ali probably gonna be the best receiver. So right, yeah, uh, there, yeah. There's definitely they they hit on, but I don't think um, the rate at which they were hitting on guys was as good as they wanted it to be. Right, which I think was a, a big part of your post too that really opened my eyes was because I knew that a lot of those guys transferred from that 2014 class that we got hyped up so much. But right. to realize just how many of those early guys from Ohio when Stoops is really just trying to pick up traction, a lot of those guys, they wouldn't recruit now. I think they were just we, – we like um, the first kid that committed for Stoops, JaVale Haichi, you know, what was mm-hmm. he, a year or two before he ended up starting his music career or something. Right. So like, just a lot of, in 2014 had some guys that just straight up stopped playing football. Hell, yeah. Mike Cal Horton was one of them. Right. Like, what are you doing, dude? You were playing in the rotation. <laughs> right. Um, but the, I think the point being, though, is that production, I think, is tied more to where you're recruiting than we initially think. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of it um, finding kids that fit your locker room kind of culture and your program DNA. For Kentucky, it's a lot of, you know, we're not messing around. It's blue collar. We're going to get to work. Um, and now in the program, it's, you know, it's not like it was when Stoops first got here when it was playing time, playing time, playing time was probably what they were selling on the recruiting trail. Now it's more, you know, you got to come in and earn your stripes type thing. And with that comes, I think, a different, you know, a kid that's got to be willing to kind of accept that and be willing to put in the work and maybe even sit behind a guy for a little bit when you get your chance then cash in that also is yeah, a, there, there's gonna be some lady period that, that blue collar mentality too doesn't really the venn diagram with that and so flow i don't think they touch right. they're about like well and i think i think that's what that's what you're getting at i think you get when you get into more south georgia and kind of alabama i think you you find kids that fit that mentality more and in south florida the, the the coaching is not as as good as it is in georgia alabama in, in my opinion the high school coaching i think the kids come out with a little more polish oh wow you hear that south florida coaches adam luck is putting you on the hot seat <laughs> well i mean they just have and they have rules where those kids can transfer some guys go to three four different high schools That's so be miserable yeah you got kids uh bopping around where it's in georgia and alabama they invest you know some money there in mm-hmm. their coaching and you got kids that, you know, go and stay at some of these powerhouses like we saw with um, the new the Christian Lewis just committed. Was really good high school. Alan Daly um, played for a really good high school. Pinson Valley, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, there's also another aspect, too, where it's like in South Florida, it's easier to transfer because there's it's a much more densely populated area. There's a lot more schools where right. uh, South Georgia, South, like that's the county school, <laughs> you know. That's, right. Three you got going one, like you got one place to go, pretty much. Like I think Travis Tisdale had maybe one other option when he was in Valdosta, but he went to the big school Louds, which is mm-hmm. enormous. Um, so right off the interstate, I seventy five. Yeah, I, it was actually kind of I forgot where I was going. It might have been to the Citrus Bowl. 
and we stayed the night there i don't I, I, I don't know why I, typically we drive through but i guess we were just like you know what we're gonna we're gonna stay a night on the way and not just try to bang out this drive all the way on the way down there. we've been more on that train too we used i used to be team drive through but now kind of a fan of driving halfway getting stopped valdez is just a great stop point too if you're doing that orlando trip because after that that it it's really tough and that that between making and there is just like it's mm-hmm. a slog so uh that's a good stopping point for there now you drive through on the way home though that's right yeah that's what i was saying you drive, you drive back all the way but going there just take your time yeah, you take it easy you know maybe you can enjoy some some breakfast the next morning get a good night's sleep mm-hmm. work wonders but we actually stayed in a hotel that was uh, i looked out my window i was like damn that's a big ass stadium and i was like Oh, I know the Lowndes. I I've watched football highlights <laughs> uh, from mm-hmm. here, uh, which I, I I'm going to hold off directly on that topic. But the the next thing I want to get to, actually, no, screw it. I, we I mentioned Tisdale. I, I want to talk about UK's running backs locket because you've got five dudes who. I mean, Kentucky has a deep ass running back room. They got five dudes who can play and can do something for you in some sort of capacity. And I thought this would be a good time to kind of a way out just strengths and weaknesses. And then I'm going to make you choose who you think is going to be the leading rusher on the team. Like before, before we get there, I'll give you a true false. Okay. For the fifth year in a row, Kentucky will have a thousand yard rusher. True or false. True. True. Who are you riding with? I guess that's what you're going to ask I'm, me. I'm, I'm going I'm to get to the end of it because I, I, I think I, I like this. I have a few good reasons for this candidate, but that that's a it's a good question because there are so many carries to get passed around, kind of like what happened last year where you had A.J. Rose, Chris Rodriguez, and Cavasse Smoke each uh, getting significant shares at different points in the season, that's that's more or less how they kind of divided up. It was less situational and more of a uh, – Grand, he believes in feeding the hot hand. So, A.J. Yeah, got a lot of – Sure. He, he loves the hot hand. So, A.J. got the early touches because he is a senior or the redshirt junior. He'd been there the longest, paid his dues. A.J., show us what you got. He starts struggled, then smoke blows up. Yeah, you remember in September, he was like the star of the team. He was first two weeks, and against Florida, he played really well. I remember watching pro, like uh, I don't know, it might have been like a Thursday night SEC Network game, or who knows what it was. But they they were promoting the Kentucky Mississippi State game with Cavassier Smoke. Right. It was like star that he was a star of the team. First three weeks. Now that took a step back, and then Chris Rodriguez, he had a really big month of November. uh, Mm -hmm. Really crushed it there for a while. So. And AJ Rose has a big bowl game, so it, it it kind of went back and forth between the three, and then you add in two newcomers. And look at I'll let you talk about Jaton McLean, but I just on, on Tisdale, this dude's he's tinier, he's smaller, but you can't tell me that he wouldn't be an excellent kick returner. And if he can pass, yeah, pro, he's gonna be. Their, I think he'll be their starting kick returner for sure. And if 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 if, if it's if he can figure out pass pro. That dude can be used in a lot of kind of situational stuff um, mm-hmm. as far as just getting him out in space and watching his speed go. One big thing I'm excited to see is A.J. Rose in the passing game. 
I think we saw a little tiny glimpse of it last year. Um, but more this year, I think you're going to see him be a guy that could potentially catch maybe 30, 35 balls in this offense. Then, but I think it's going to be he, more. Go ahead. Well, there was one game, in, it was the Georgia game, right? He had a big touchdown right. catch two years Georgia. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think he had another nice one last year. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he had one game in the beginning of the season. He had like five receptions. I'm not sure which game it was, but you started to see, whoa, they, they might be throwing the ball a lot to the back. But I look at – I'll just look at this this crop they've got right now. There's not the bona fide stud, war daddy, put the ball in his belly, let him rumble 25 times <laughs> on, on this roster right now. They're just not. The only guy that I think on the team that I could potentially or potentially see becoming that is Rodriguez, just because of his frame, his size, his running style, all that. But I think this is a group that's really strength in numbers. Come at you in waves. You've got, you know, the one cup running slasher, AJ Rose, who can, if he gets a crease, can take it to the crib. You've got Cavassier Smoke, who provides this you know this burst ability that can just make a cut and go and then you're like whoa that, that was a hell of a run and then you got you know the bowling ball just running down your throat Chris Rodriguez and then Tisdale and Juton McClain who I think is going to play I don't think he's going to red shirt bring you know the mixture of kind of what they have Tisdale kind of in the same mode I think as AJ Rose it's one cut and go Get north and south. He can mm-hmm. take it to the house. He Trendon Hol- mm-hmm. Holiday is the name that I go back to. Which, if y'all recall, he played LSU in the mid two thousands. And Vern Ludenquist and Gary Danielson, they would always bring up that he was a, an Olympic sprinter, uh, one like right. an SEC championship. And I, I think mm-hmm. Tisdale, especially because he's a shorter dude, I just go to that. I could see him having a kind of role like that. But I, I think. In the future, maybe McQuain could be a, a, a not a war daddy in, in a physical sense, but I think he could be a featured back in the future. Yeah, like he's McLean's kind of a modern day running back, where he's not this two hundred twenty five just workhorse, but he's a guy who's a very patient runner. You watch his tape, and that's something Eddie Graham we've heard him talk about a lot. That that's probably one of his favorite attributes to have in the back. He can impact the passing game. He can step out and make receptions pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then he's just kind of, I think he's got the whole package. Like I think if you're looking at just NFL draft prospect, if you made me pick who's the guy you think has probably got the best chance to make it to the next level, I'm probably going to pick Juton McClain just because I think I, I like his entire package and the way football's kind of going where the running back has to be used in more ways than just running power. And so if- – if, if Grand mm-hmm. and Grand's already spoken about how he really came in in the spring and really it kind of clicked for him right away. Yeah, he was yeah. he was good in blitz pickup, and you talk about true freshman good in blitz pickup. That's a great way to get on the field early, especially for a kid that can you know make can make receptions. So he can just become a factor on third down offense right away, just like that. And then you know he's slowly working in. He makes a couple big plays here and there, and then you're like, whoa, he's he's part of the he's part of the package now full full time. Well, and you can also see a scenario where AJ Rose is kind of the model for how you would use Jatan McClain. Mm-hmm. 
instead of getting 20 carries a game, you're getting uh, 14 with six receptions. Or, yeah, or 12 with four receptions, you know, yeah. 16 touches a game. That, that way you're fresh all year. What I think you're just going to see is just they're going to try to keep all these backs fresh all season. And so then you, in, in November, that's when that really pays off. When defenses start to get uh, worn out a little bit, um, a lot of heavy legs, then that's when you see, you know, your third and fourth stringers. That's when you see a Chris Rodriguez come out of nowhere and have a big November running against some tired defenses because you have fresh backs that have been used um, correctly all season and you're taking advantage of that depth that you have there. Chris Rodriguez's month of November. Is a big reason why I am a believer that he can be more of a featured back this year. Because I think, I I hope, I pray that he will be used more situationally instead of like let's feed the hot hand and give it to AJ Rose on third and two. No, curse Rodriguez getting the damn game, bulldoze your way, and then because really what happened is they had to lean on him. And he turned some of those short yardage runs into 40-yard touchdowns and showed some wheels to him. And, and he got in the doghouse early with two fumbles it, in the Toledo game. It was fumbles. Okay, I don't remember if it was fumbles or blitz pickup. Rose was blitz pickup a few years back uh, where he got in the doghouse that way. But, I mean, Rodriguez, he averaged 9.1 yards per carry in the month of November. 9.1. Really good. And he didn't even have, like, a great bowl game, but almost all of That's his- what – he had me kind of drinking the Kool-Aid there a little bit at the end of the season. I was hopeful he would have a big bowl game then. I thought he was going to be a guy we could talk up. And then you kind of say he kind of came back down to earth and then rose, mm-hmm. took off. But – and that's kind of, I think, what's just a balance in the depth. And then you've got two freshmen that you think can play in McLean and Tisdale. And I think it got people really excited. Well, and we aren't even mentioning Mike Drennan, who might be the most explosive right. athlete of them all. But it, they, he's needed elsewhere. <laughs> we'll just say that uh, mm-hmm. but the more we talk about it though like it the more i want to pump the brakes on rodriguez or anybody so are you i'm going to spin the question on you true or false kentucky gonna have a thousand yard rusher no they won't i think this will be the year now i said this last year i said they wouldn't last year because it was going to be kind of the same thing well you know last year but, <laughs> but, limbo but you just like terry wilson's gonna get five if they play a 12 game schedule that's another caveat in all this. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, He's yeah. going to get 500 or so rushing yards, you would imagine. Mm-hmm. If they turn him loose, they might be a little more careful with him with that knee. And then you just got three known commodities, and then you've got two guys who you're pretty high on. And then you've got Mike Drennan, who's probably going to vulture touches from some people because they're going to have to find a way to force feed him the ball. Yeah, yeah. And then th- you also forget that, like, Hell, on some of those Wildcats, they might end up saying instead of Rodriguez on third down, Joey Gatewood go in there and lower your damn shoulder. That's another one, too, because I think if Gatewood's clear, there's absolutely going to be a red zone and short yardage package with him at quarterback. Which, by the way, like, is there any doubt in your – a shred of doubt in your mind that he will not get a waiver? I don't think – I mean, you would assume so. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I stopped trying to figure that stuff out a long time ago. (laughs) Okay, JT Daniels over here getting a little tricky. Yeah. Um, So who who is going to be the leading rusher at a market? I think it's Chris Rodriguez because of the momentum he had in the year and because of just durability. 
that type of physical runner is really flourished. And I think just when you look at Kentucky's offensive line, they got some maulers, and that's going to pay off. There's going to be times where you, you just kind of got to feed him the rock and let him salt out a few games um, with that excellent defense, that running game. And they're going to lean on that where, yes, Rose and Smoke, I think, will definitely have their moments. But I think Chris Rodriguez will ultimately be the team's leading rusher. I'm going to go with Rose just because I think he's going to get the most carries. So I'm just playing playing the, the numbers game there. Then they usually leaned on seniors, especially Rose. You look at – he only needs a few hundred yards to get in the top ten program history in rushing yards. Man, that's impressive. Because he – and he's kind of had I, – I, I don't – do you have his stats pulled up in front of you? Yeah, I got him right here. What what was he that sophomore year? So two years ago. 71 for 442, 6.2 yards a pop. And then I guess he would have had like about 600 yards last year. 142 for 826, 5.5 per pop, yeah, six I mean, scores. That is even more impressive than I thought. So he had seven receptions in the first two games, Nick. Yeah, year. so he, he'll probably get a thousand yards total, just not all from bet, running the ball. He's a, a sneaky kind of draft prospect to watch because if he becomes a guy that can really catch the ball out of the backfield, do some stuff in the passing game, that's going to catch some people's eyes. Well, and hopefully so. Tight ends and running backs love offseason mm-hmm. storylines. If we're going to throw it to them more, we haven't even really messed around well, with the running back one either. And you look at the roster this year; they they got a lot of tight ends and running backs. Yeah, yeah, a lot of those guys to throw to. Um, but before we get out of here, Luckett, I did mention Drennan, and right now the the KY Wildcats TV folks they're kind of introducing the new guys who just showed up to campus. Do you have any immediate takeaways from either of those two two minutes? I guess it's about five minutes total of, of video clips from the offense and defense. My guy, Josiah Hayes, man, get on the train. Dude, that neck, man. Mm-hmm. I, I got a little carried away with my tweets the other day, but Jesus Christ, like his neck's wider than his head, and he's only 17, 18 years mm-hmm. old. Two bodies to watch, Justin Rogers and RJ Adams. They, they're a bit pudgy. But you get them in the weight room. Man, like Rogers is so explosive, see. dude. Watching mm-hmm. him, like, he's nimble for his size. He's very nimble. So, man, that guy that guy could be a lot of fun. But, man, you, when you talked about Josiah Hayes being game ready, I just love, like, he is the most Mississippi guy, mm-hmm. like, country strong, cock diesel. Like, you try moving that dude off the line of scrimmage. It ain't happening, folks. And so I got excited to see that. Also, some of the like Carrington Valentine, he looks like a sprinter, like a track guy. Carrington Valentine is a good kind of example for how they're going to use Adrian Huey too. They're both kind of the same player. I think they're they're speed demons, mm-hmm. but they're not the biggest of guys. I think they're going to be kind of like the fill corner. So it's that's the corner that is to the, the wider side of the field. And what, what you get playing that is the offense usually that's their speed receiver there outside that they throw deep shots through. So it's a lot of kind of deep coverage. Mm-hmm. So with those guys, you know, you figured that's, you know, play man on man and just go. So how they use Valentine, I think will be interesting in how they use Huey. And with the uh, speed guys like that, they're great for, for punt, punt team. Yeah. Just the gunners on the outside. 
yeah and, and those are little things you don't and think about too. but right like that's Kentucky was first in the nation, I think, in net punt last year. And Max Duffy certainly plays a big role in it, but it's also the other guys, too. You can't forget about them. Um, but the thing about the defense that I guess it shouldn't surprise me, not enough swag. The offensive guys, those dudes just, they don't know how to live without swag. Like Isaiah Cummings had a chain that was, I mean, it was as thick as a rope. And those are the cool kind of chains, too, the real thick kind. I think it's got some weight to it. Uh, Valentine had one, but he only he didn't work out with this. He put it on afterwards, and it, was, it had a C, and that, that was just cool. But he was really the only one swagged out. On the offensive side, Jeremy Flags is working out with shades on. What a badass. Like, how, that's kind of cool. I get that, like, we could spend our whole lives trying to do, and they just wake up cooler than us. Isaiah Cummings – it's a sneaky play and potentially play a lot, true freshman, I think. Just the size. When you look at the X receiver, which is like the guy, the receiver on the short side of the field that's lined up on the line of scrimmage that's facing a big physical corner week in and week out, it's Allen Daly there. And then after that, they don't – I don't know. I don't know who's there. I think Cummings just kind of – that's the spot yeah. where I think he could come in and he's proven already – in on his tape that he can really really block yeah and i i think that's could be a spot for him where he could definitely carve out a role and especially on special teams i think he could be a really productive special teams player as a true freshman he's uh he is a big guy for and coming he comes from a good program he's been coached mm-hmm. well by all accounts he's you know team first he's gonna do whatever the coaches ask him i think he's a guy that could definitely play right away Man, I, uh, I I'm actually mad at myself right now because I took a few screenshots of. When do when when does when do we get a roster from UK? Because they are notoriously slow. Yeah. About, about only <laughs> releasing numbers or anything. I mean, Jeremy Fox is even doing his interview in sunglasses. Like that guy, that's so <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. Because I saw Louisville today release their numbers for their freshmen. Well, it's supposed to be media day next Saturday. Is that what it was? <laughs> That's when it was initially supposed to be. Uh, that That's that first big weekend in August. Now, not August 1st because uh, it's, it's a little bit early, but typically we would have fan day, I believe. Actually, that probably would have been. Media day was Friday and then fan day Saturday. Isn't right, that right. Yeah, so one, two, three. I think they have four four. So, actually, I guess it would have been this Friday would have been media day. Uh, and Saturday would have been fan day. But, you know, still waiting, still waiting. Uh, oh, also, Mike Drennan wants to make sure that everybody calls him Donut. Great branding. Down with it. Yeah, that is excellent branding. Um, and, actually, yeah, I shouldn't have been on that. I'm trying not to eat like it late at night. And when I go and say things like that, it makes me hungry for no mm-hmm. reason. Like, I don't, I don't need to eat something sweet right now. It's just going to make me fat. Yeah, but you want it. You know you want it. Yeah. Speaking of all SEC teams, when you're putting your team together, was there anything that surprised you or caught you off guard? Uh, I found it tough to put together, um, like, the uh, – because we went more specific by position and Mm -hmm. finding defensive tackles is a little bit tough because you have so many different 
schemes and whatnot, they don't always use uh, defensive tackles. And also, an edge. Edge is really thin. And mm-hmm. that's why, I like, Jordan Wright could creep up on yeah. some All-SEC. Jordan like, Wright Kentucky can come up with an contact. He's, he's going to make All-SEC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that, that, that was probably my biggest thing. And just that, like, we had three people picking and we had three different quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. That, that's about par for the court for this offseason with people trying to pronounce, prognosticate. But, yeah, I thought uh, for me, like, I had a lot of Alabama guys, and I was like, whoa, they seem like the best team just by looking at these teams. And then LSU on defense, I think, has quietly kind of had some dudes that I don't think people are really talking about. They're just their defense as a whole because their offense is taking up, you know, all the oxygen with how they replace Joe Burrow. And then two positions, inside linebacker, I think, is stacked. Um, and then cor- corner is stacked, corner and receiver. Well, those mm-hmm. three positions are – I think when you go – when we look at the drafts, whenever it happens, the SEC will have a bunch of guys there from those, from those spots getting drafted, probably in the top 100 picks. I'm also uh, willing to admit that I am very anti-Alabama and LSU because they get all of the votes uh, right. at SEC Media Day. So I'll typically replace them for the kind of lesser-known guys. But I did – like, I like Colin Hill a lot, but I can't make him an all-SEC running back because I don't know what the hell he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I just can't. I mean, Mississippi State's tweeting out pictures of Air Raid. They got a four-star receiver. Where did he – did he flip from LSU or is he just from Louisiana? He's just from Louisiana. LSU's okay. recruiting more national right now. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good players in Louisiana that are getting out of the state. They just – a four-star receiver just committed to Kansas. Um, he's going to try to play both sports, Keon Coleman. Mm-hmm. I mean, then that kid, I can't remember his name. But if you look at their recruiting – they got a blue chip quarterback from Texas, yeah. and then they've got like three top five hundred receivers. So yeah, they're they're well, recruiting for the air raid. He would, but we'll see where he does, what he does with the defense and whatnot. Well, and it, at least for in the immediate future with, for Mike Leach's team, like he got a grad transfer quarterback that like KJ Costello, he can be fine in there. I you still can't sell me that Stanford quarterback who's been running pro i football right. handing the ball off is going to be perfectly suited for that you just can't like you, you can't you can't convince me otherwise especially but, with no spring right right but they did return their leading receiver and they've got Calvin Hill to lean on so there is some there there's enough to work with this year um and he's recruiting for the future so this year is going to be just like i if there's a, a reason to want football outside of UK, seeing what the hell Michael H is going to do with this team. Yeah, I think the first couple of years could be rough because it's a totally different type of roster construction. Square peg. Right. Just, so weird. Well, Luckett, I think it's time for us to 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 send send ourselves off, to go our separate ways. How did you think tonight went? If you were grading the film, what would you give us? Give us in between a soft seven and a hard seven. Well, you know what? I'll take it. I think we really got going towards the end, too. Yeah. The problem with these – like, I've been saving that running back topic for a while. We're really – there's well, only so many of those problem with this, with this damn COVID. Like, we haven't got been able to get in, into positions, position breakdowns, match individual matchup <sighs> in, in, on the locker room for playing time. Uh, I mean, how, how, how the schedule breaks down, all that, all that type of stuff we would just – we thought was to fill time in a normal off season, and now hell, I miss that stuff now. I would 
got to talk about offensive line depth chart on here with you, Nick Roush. I would love to go down and start breaking down uh, UK's twos and threes at, at the left tackle. But we have. I mean, I guess I guess we can start doing it. Maybe, maybe we start doing it. I don't know. We just had. We need Greg Sankey come out and make an announcement about when practice is going to start and what the season is going to look like, and then that's when we can nerd out. If the schedules change, we can go through break down all these schedules. Ooh, that'll be fun. Yeah, we can. I will say under the tentative, do, do a rapid fire position breakdown. If 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 the schedule remains the same, if nothing changes between now and next Wednesday. They're starting practice Wednesday. Like that's mm-hmm. it's the either fifth. Wednesday or Thursday. The fifth, but yeah, I believe it's the fifth. That's when they can that was the calendar approved by the NCAA a few months ago. So mm-hmm. uh ready or not, here it comes. Uh the time's ticking. It's almost time to make a decision. And you know, hopefully we'll have a little more juice to, to squeeze out of these melons next time we talk at a bucket. Fingers crossed my man. Fingers crossed. Well as always, thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate y'all subscribing and, and and just listen to a couple knuckleheads talk football for about an hour or so. And we'll be back next week with more football talk. Until then, go Cats and go Kroger.